Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living A Course in Miracles. This is Season 5, and it's called The Book Club. We're on Chapter 24. Welcome back. To understand and learn this course, it will require the willingness to question every value that you hold. This world perception is completely upside down to the one we came here with. The ego has manipulated and blinded us to what is real and what we truly are. The world of bodies and a world focused on bodies only take us fur- only takes us further away from our true selves. One of the laws of chaos stated that one of our beliefs is that each separate individual has their own truth, that they should live their own truth. What truth? A truth that they're a body separate from everyone else? A truth that their body and body identification is important to their existence? This has truth for those living in this world and believing that they are only of this world. But it is far away from the truth as you can get. There is only one truth. We are all one and one with God. We are all connected on a spiritual level. We are light and energy indivisible and whole. We are not alone and never can we be. And we are only separate if we choose and choose as free will ourselves to be. Bodies are vehicles to navigate this world. They are not the source. Our minds connected to our creator is the only true self we can find. Today, we'll start on chapter 24 called The Goal of Specialness. I'll cover the following sections, which is the introduction, specialness as a substitute for love, the treachery of specialness, the forgiveness of specialness, and specialness versus sinlessness. So let us begin. So in my my book, chapter 24 is on page 499, and the introduction starts like this. Paragraph one says, forget not that the motivation for this course is the attainment and keeping of the state of peace. Given this state of mind, sorry, given this state of mind is quiet and the condition in which God's God is remembered is attained. It is not necessary to tell him what to do. He will not fail. Where he can enter, he is already there. And can it be he cannot enter where he wills to be? Peace will be yours because it is his will. Can you believe a shadow can hold back the will that holds the universe secure? God does not wait upon illusions to let him be himself. No more his son. They are. That means they just are. And what illusion that idly seems to drift between them has the power to defeat what is their will. So what is what is the illusion? It's interesting, though. I did not read this just before I wrote that first part um, in opening with the podcast. I only actually read one line, which is the next line I'm going to read. Uh, and then the rest of it, I just sort of winged it. But I guess I've read this book enough that all of this comes out eventually. But that's what it's saying is that how is God going to wait upon the illusions that we have placed upon ourselves? He's not. And he never has, because he doesn't have to, because he's there. He always has been, he always will be. 
The next paragraph says, to learn the course requires willingness to question every value that you hold. Not one can be kept hidden and obscure, but it will jeopardize your learning. No belief is neutral. Everyone has the power to dictate each decision you make. For decision is a conclusion based on everything that you believe. Sentence seven says, there is no substitute for peace. What God creates has no alternative. The truth arises from what he knows. So that's the introduction. Again, just introducing us to the to the remembrance. I don't even want to say idea because it's there. It's always been there. To our remembering what we truly are and that God has not left us and God never leaves us. In fact, if we want to put it in the right frame of reference, we leave him. He's always there. The next section called the specialness, called specialness as a substitution for love, starts like this, paragraph one, extension, sorry, love is extension. Look at me changing all the words of this book. Love is extension. To withhold the smallest gift is to not, is not to know love's purpose. Love offers everything forever. Hold back but one belief, one offering, and love is gone because you asked a substitute to take its place. Next page, page 500. Still paragraph two, but I'm going to go down a little bit into the middle of it to sentence six. The secret enemies of peace, your least decision to choose attack instead of love, unrecognized and swift to challenge you to combat and to violence, far more inclusive than you think, are there by your election. Do not deny your presence, their presence, nor their terrible results. All that can be denied is their reality, but not their outcome. Interesting. So I'm just going to stop here for a second. So this is paragraph two, saying that everything that we recognize to be true is what we recognize to be true. It's by our election. It's by our choice. Free will, right? And this is a really good line. It says, do not deny their presence nor their terrible results. All that can be denied is their reality. You know, we need to deny that they exist, that they're real, that they matter. Paragraph three says, all that is ever cherished as a hidden belief can be defended through unrecognized, though unrecognized, is faith in specialness. This takes many forms but always clashes with the reality of God's creation and with the grandeur that he gave his son. What else could justify attack? For who could hate someone whose self is his and whom he knows? So again, love this language. What it's saying here, very not not as clear as it should, is that how can you hate something that's exactly like you? And the only way you can do that is if you make it different, if you make it special. If you change it, and there's where that body identification comes in. We look at bodies and we think they're different and we think we're different. We're not different. The bodies are different. Yeah, absolutely. They look different for sure. But that's not what we are. That is who we are in this world, but not what we are. For those who hate someone else whose who's self is his and whom he knows, sorry, only the special could have enemies for they are different and not the same. And difference of any kind imposes orders of reality and a need to judge that cannot be escaped. 
paragraph four. What God created cannot be attacked, for there is nothing in the universe like itself. But what is what what is different calls for judgment, and this must come from someone better, in quotation marks, someone incapable of being like what he condemns above it, sinless by comparison. And thus does specialness become a means and an end at once. For specialness not only sets apart, but serves as grounds from which attack on those who seem beneath the special one is natural and just. The special ones feel weak and frail because of differences for what would make them special is their enemy. Yet they protect its enmity and call it friend. On its behalf, they fight against the universe for nothing in the world they value more. Hmm. That could not be more complicated. <laughs> I know that the words here are complicated. That paragraph says a lot of things, but probably not in the best words. But what it's saying, it's saying is this is where we set ourselves apart from everybody else. This is where we think that somehow we're different and that we don't belong. And then what happens is those insecurities get hold of us and then we start to judge people. We start to look at other people and see their differences and judge them. Judge them because we feel insecure and judge them because we don't feel whole. So then we judge those people and we look at them and we say, you are bad or there's something wrong with you. Most of that judgment comes from bodies. Some of it comes from the personalities of those bodies, but that is an ego, right? So that's what you have to remember is that's the ego. But most of it comes from those bodies that we judge. We look at that and we judge what that looks like. And that's because of our own insecurities and because of our own self-worth. And that's what we have to move away from. And that's what this book is saying. And this part is particularly saying we justify attack. We justify it because somebody's treated us unfairly or somebody's treated us differently. So then in response to that, we attack. And that's that vicious cycle we get into that goes back and forth over and over. Next page, 501, paragraph six says, would it be possible for you to hate your brother if you were like him? Ah, see, now they're trying to get us to see that we are exactly alike. Would you attack him if you realized your journey with him to a goal that is the same? Sorry, that you journey with him to a goal that is the same. Would you not help him reach it in every way you could if his attainment of it were perceived as yours? You are his enemy in specialness. His friend is a shared purpose. Specialness can never share, for it depends on goals that you alone can reach, and he must never reach them, or your goal is jeopardized. Can love have meaning where the goal is triumph? You know, if you have to win, is there, is there really love there? And what decision can be made for this that will not hurt you? Right? As soon as you put specialness in, you're removing people from your lives. That hurts you. Paragraph seven, your brother is your friend because his father created him like you. There is no difference. You have been given to your brother that love might be extended, not cut off from him. What you keep is lost to you. You hold anything back and you lose it too. Paragraph eight says the fear of God and of your brother comes from each unrecognized belief in specialness. For you demand your brother bow 
to it against his will. Sentence six, a little further down, says, you would oppose this course because it teaches you and you and your brother are alike. You have no purpose that is not the same and none your father does not share with you. For your relationship has been made clear of special, clean of special goals. And would you now defeat the goal of holiness that heaven gave it? What perspective can the special have that does not change with every seeming blow, each slight, each attack, or fancied judgment on itself? Next page, which is 502. Up at the top there, sentence seven, the last two sentences says, never can there be peace among the different. He is your friend because you are the same. So this makes this this particular section, which is called, again, uh, specialness as a substitute for love, is making it really, really clear that the more we put people in different categories, the more we look at the bodies and the body identification, the further away from God we get. And there might be an agenda there out there to do that. I don't know. Not judging that, but it seems a little odd that we're moving into body identification more than anything else. Spirituality is going the other way. Well, we need to move away from that. We need to stop looking at bodies. We need to not jump on this body identification wagon because that takes us for, further away from God. It doesn't bring us closer to God. It separates us and makes specialness where specialness doesn't belong. But we've been so brainwashed in this world to think that it does, that we need to be special. We need to be unique. No, we don't. That makes us not love our brothers and sisters. That makes us see people as different and special. We need to move from that. The next section is called the treachery of specialness. And that's paragraph one on page 502 starts like this. Comparison must be an ego device for love makes none. Specialness always makes comparisons. It is established by a lack seen in another and maintained by searching for and keeping clear in sight all lacks it can perceive. This does it, this does it seek and this it looks upon. And always whom it thus diminishes would be your savior, had you not chosen to make him a tiny measure of your specialness instead. Against the littleness you see in him, you stand as tall and stately, clean and honest, pure and unsullied by comparison with what you see. Nor do you understand it is yourself that you diminish thus. Again, right? As we as we judge, as we make other people smaller to make ourselves feel better, we're just making ourselves smaller. <laughs> we're moving further away from God. And and not by the judgment of God, because God doesn't judge. That that's a misunderstanding of God, you know. To to call God all powerful and then make him a judge, jury, and ex- executioner. That's the wrong use of power, and that's not the power of God. We have to move away from that belief. God loves us all without judgment. And this is what it's stating here is that that's what we need to do with everybody else is we need to love them without judgment. We need to look at everybody and say, you are perfect and beautiful just the way you are because I see past that body. I see that soul of you. I see that connection that I have with you and I love it. I love it at its very core. 
paragraph two says, pursuit of specialness is always the cost of peace. Sentence seven, a little bit further down says, but the pursuit of specialness must bring you pain. Here is a goal that would defeat salvation and thus run counter to the will of God. To value specialness is to esteem an alien will and sorry, is to esteem an alien will, an alien will to which illusions of yourself are dearer than the truth. Uh, paragraph four at the bottom says, you are not special. And I think we have to get that out of our head. We are not special. If we are all alike, then we can't, there's no specialness that exists. We are beautiful. We are whole. We are perfect in the very essence of what we are. But we're not special. Not here. We're not. If you think you are and would defend your specialness against the truth of what you really are, how can you know the truth? What answer that the Holy Spirit gives can reach you when it is your specialness to which you listen? And next page, which asks and answers. It's tiny answer, soundless in the melody that pours down from God to you eternally in loving praise of what you are, never who you are. If you notice the words here are always stating what we are. We're moving, this book moves away from the who because the who identifies with the body, but the what is the very essence of what we are, is all you listen to. And that vast song of honor and of love for what you are seems silent and unheard before its mightiness. You strain your ears to hear its soundless voice, and yet the call of God himself is soundless to you because we're too focused on bodies. Paragraph five, sentence three says, to every special one, a different message, and one with different meaning is the truth. Yet how can truth be different to each one? The special messages, the special here convince them that they are different and apart. Each in his special sins and safe from love, which does not see his specialness at all. Christ's vision is their enemy. For it sees not what they would look upon, and it would show them that the specialness they think they see is an illusion, right? Because God wants us to see that there is no specialness. And it is part of this world's illusion of what of who we are, not what we are. Paragraph seven on five oh three says You who have claimed your Savior to your specialness and given it his place, remember this, he has not lost the power to forgive you all the sins you think you placed between him and the function of salvation given him for you, nor will you change his function any more than you can change the truth in him and in yourself. But be you certain that the truth is just the same in both right? It's just the same in God and Christ as it is in us. We're all, it's all the same. Sentence eight, a bit further down says, what is one is joined in truth. Paragraph eight says, think of the loneliness that you will see within yourself when you have looked on him as on a friend. He is the enemy of specialness, but only friend but only friend to what is real in you. Not one attack you thought you made on him has taken from him the gift, next page, that God would have him give you. His need to give it is as great as yours to have it. 
Let him forgive you all your specialness and make you whole in mind and one with him. He waits for your forgiveness only that he may return it onto you. It is not God who has condemned his son, but you to save his specialness and kill his self. Not Notice they didn't say kill himself. They said kill his self. Self is capital, right? The self that he created. Now, this is a very interesting paragraph too. A little confusing, I know. But what they're trying to say, and when they talk about, he's talking about, you know, our brothers and sisters, everyone, right? And that, you know, forgiving you all your specialness and make you whole in the mind and one with him. We have to forgive everybody's specialness as well as ourselves, right? We have to let people, yes, we have to let them be who they think they are, but knowing what they are. Everyone's on their own journey. Not everyone is in the same place. People will hear this, come from me and think I'm absolutely off my rocker. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's okay because that's their journey. And it's not my judgment to judge where they're at and what their journey is. That's their choice, free will. But it's our, each one of us listening today, if this is something that you're connected to, then you have to know that you can't judge other people in order to be connected to them. You have to allow them to be who they think they are, but knowing at all times what they are. Paragraph nine, you have come far along the way of truth, too far to falter now. Just one step more and every vestige of the fear of God will melt away in love. Your brother's specialness and yours are enemies and bound in hate to kill each other and deny that they are the same. Yet it is not illusions that have reached this final obstacle, which seems to make God in his heaven so remote that they cannot be reached. Here in this holy place does truth stand waiting to receive you and your brother in silent blessing and in peace so real and so encompassing that nothing stands outside. Leave all illusions of yourself outside of this place to which you come in hope and honesty. Paragraph 10. Here is your savior from your specialness. He is in need of your acceptance of yourself as part of you, as you for his. You are alike as God, as God is to himself. He is not special for he would not keep one part of what he is onto himself. God doesn't hold on to anything. He is part of each and every one of us. He shares that. That's the that's a sign that God's not special. As God doesn't want to be special. God wants us to see us for what we are and know that we're connected and no judgment and no no evaluating us on any kind of degree of specialness. Yes, we praise God because he's our father. He's our creator. Of course, we have to be in love with God because God made us. But at the same time, he wants us to know that we are a part of him and he is a part of us. It's a oneness that's connected us all to one another. Now, I don't know where I ended. <laughs> and it is this you fear, for if he is not special, then he willed his son to be like him and your brother is like you. Is, emphasis on is. Not special, but possessed of everything, including you. Give him but what he has. Remembering God gave himself to you and your brother in equal love. 
that both might share the universe with him who chose that love could never be divided and kept separate from what it is and must forever be. I love this section. Paragraph 11, you are, emphasis on are, your brothers. Part of love was not denied to him. But can it be that you have lost because he is complete? What has been given him makes you complete as it does him. God's love gave you him and him to you because he gave himself. What is the same as God is one with him. Paragraph 12, specialness is the seal of treachery upon the gift of love. Whatever serves its purpose must be given to kill. No gift that bears its seal, but offers treachery to giver and receiver. Next page, 505, paragraph 14 says, The key you threw away, God gave your brother, whose holy hands would offer it to you when you were ready to accept his plan for your salvation in place of yours. How could this readiness be reached save through the sight of your own misery? and the awareness that your plan has failed and will forever fail to bring peace and joy of any kind. Through this despair you travel now, yet it is but illusion of despair. There's no despair. It's a choice that you feel despair. The death of specialness is not your death, but your awakening into eternal life. You but emerge from an illusion, an illusion of this world created of the ego, by this world of what you are to the acceptance of yourself as God created you. <laughs> I love this. So that is the treachery of specialness. So it, trying to explain to us that specialness is not good, not good at all. It's this illusion of this world. And those who created it, I don't know if they had this as a goal. I have no idea. And I'm not going to assume people's, um, what people have decided or what egos have decided, but it is, centuries old. It has been going on for a very long time and it's grown and grown deeper and deeper and people are separating further and further apart and we need to bring everybody together. Page 505, the forgiveness of specialness. Paragraph one starts like this. Forgiveness is the end of specialness. Only illusions can be forgiven and then they disappear. Forgiveness is released from all illusions, and that is why it is possible. It is, sorry, and that is why it is impossible, but partly to forgive. So, an important line here is that forgiveness is the end of specialness. And since specialness is an illusion, so is the pain and the hurt that keeps people from forgiving others, right? It's all an illusion, it's not real, it's not what we are. So you have to forgive because forgiveness moves you on. It awakens you to what you are. Let it go. And I like this, that you cannot partly forgive. There's no such thing. You have to fully forgive. No one who clings to one illusion can see himself as sinless, for he holds one error to himself as lovely still. And so he calls it unforgivable and makes it sin. Next page, page. 506 paragraph three says, it is not you who are vulnerable and open to attack that just a word, a little whisper, 
that you do not like, a circumstance that suits you not, or an event that you did not anticipate sets your world and hurls it into chaos. Truth is not frail. Illusions leave it perfectly unmoved and undisturbed. But specialness is not the truth in you. It can be thrown off balance by anything. What rests on nothing never can be stable. However large and overblown it seems to be, it still must rock and turn and whirl about with every breeze. Paragraph four says, without foundation, nothing is secure. Would God have left his son in such a state where safety has no meaning? No, his son is safe, resting on him. Paragraph five, God asks for your forgiveness. He would have no separation like an alien will, rise between what he wills for you and what you will. They are the same, for neither one wills specialness. How could they will the death of love itself? Yet they are powerless to make attack upon illusions. They are, bo- they are not bodies. As one mind, they wait for all illusions to be brought to them and left behind. Salvation challenges not even death, and God himself, who knows that death is not your will, must say, thy will be done, because you think it is. Paragraph six says, forgive the great creator of the universe, the source of life, of love and holiness, the perfect father of a perfect son, for your illusions of your specialness. Here is the hell you chose to be your home. He chose not this for you. Ask not, he enter this. The way is barred to love and to salvation. Yet if you would release your brother from the depths of hell, you have forgiven him whose will is, it is you rest forever in the arms of peace, in perfect safety and without the heat and malice of one thought of specialness to mar your rest. Next page. Forgive the Holy One the specialness he could not give and that you made instead. Okay, this is really, really good too. This So paragraph four is really important to read over. This all talks about how we get upset with God. And we think, oh God, you should step in and do something. You should change this. You have the power to do that. But this is where we're confused is God doesn't, will never do that. And and not because he doesn't have the power to do that, because he gave us the power to do it. So why does he have to? He says, I love you just like I love myself. You are one with me. I am in you. You are in me. We are one. Everything I can do, you can do. So why would I take free will away from you and do something that I know you can do? All he wants us to do is wake up to that understanding and belief that we have the power to do it. We don't need his help. We have his love and he's always there with us. But he has given us that power. It's within each and every one of us. We just have to wake up and believe that and understand that and remember that. Paragraph seven says the special one's are all asleep. Surrounded by a world of loveliness, they do not see. Freedom and peace and joy stand there beside the bear on which they sleep and call them to come forth and awaken from their deep, sorry, from their dream of death. 
yet they hear nothing. They are lost in dreams of specialness. They hate the call that would awaken them, and they curse God because he did not make their dream reality. See, that's the deal, right? God doesn't do what I want, so curse God. Meanwhile, everything you want, you can do. Curse God and die. (laughs) I don't mean to do this. I don't mean to say it before. It, It actually says it. Curse God and die, but not by him who made not death. There's no death, but only in the dream, this world dreams about death. Open your eyes a little. See the Savior God gave you that you might look on him and give him back his birthright. It is yours. In paragraph eight, I'm going to go to sentence nine says, they ask of you, but that your will be done, right? This is, this is something we say all the time in prayer. Thy will be done. Do we understand those words? Thy will be done. We are will can be done at any time that we want it to be. Our choice. They seek your love and you may love yourself. That you may love yourself. Sorry. They seek your love and that you may love yourself. Love not specialness instead of them. The print of nails on his hands. The print of nails on is on your hands as well. Sorry can't read today. Forgive your father. It was not his will that you be crucified, right? It was not his will. And you remember Christ said on the cross, said, Father, they know not what they do because he knew that they li- we live in a dream. He knew that we live in illusions, that we attack because we misunderstand and don't understand what we truly are. Christ knew that, but Christ also knew I'm not going anywhere but to the best place ever. I'm going to utopia. I'm going back to my father, to my creator, to peace, to joy, to love. I get to leave behind this world where hell exists and where damnation and crucifixion exists. And I'm going to live an eternal life. And he did that to show us that that's exactly what we have to. Specialness versus sinlessness. This is the last section I'm going to uh, cover today. And it starts like this on page 507, paragraph one. Specialness is a lack of trust in anyone except yourself. Faith is invested in yourself alone. Everything else becomes your enemy. Fear and attacked, deadly and dangerous, hated and worthy only of destruction. Whatever gentleness it offers is but deception but its hate is real. In danger of destruction, it must kill, and you are drawn to it to kill it first. And such is guilt's attraction. Paragraph two says, what could the purpose of the body be but specialness? And it is this that makes it frail and helpless in its own defense. It was conceived to make you frail and helpless. The goal of separation is its curse, yet bodies have no goal. Purpose is of the mind, and minds can change as they desire. What they are and all, next page, their attributes, they cannot change. But what they hold as purpose can be changed, and body states must shift accordingly. Of itself, the body can do nothing, but it as means, but uh, sorry, as again, sorry, of it 
of itself, the body can do nothing. See it as a means to hurt and it is hurt. See it as a means to heal and it is healed. Paragraph three, sentence eight says, nothing could make more sense to miracles for miracles are merely change of purpose from hurt to healing. This shift in purpose does endanger specialness, but only in the sense that all illusions are threatened by the truth. They will not stand before it. Yet they come yet what comfort has ever been in them that would keep the gift your father asks from him and give it there instead. Paragraph four says earlier I earlier I said, consider not the means by which salvation is attained, nor how to reach it. But do consider and consider well whether it is your wish that you might see your brother sinless. To specialness, the answer must be no. A sinless brother is its enemy, while sin, if it were possible, would be its friend. Your brother's sin would justify itself and give it meaning that the truth denies. All that is real proclaims his sinlessness. All that is false proclaims his sins as real. Paragraph five sentence, what sentence is that? Two, only this is certain in this shifting world that has no meaning in reality. When peace is not with you entirely, and when you suffer pain of any kind, you have beheld some sin within your brother and have rejoiced at what you thought was there. Your specialness seemed safe because of it. And thus you save what you appointed to be your savior and crucified the one whom God has given you instead. So you are bound with him for you are one. And so is specialness, his enemy and yours as well. There we go. That's a great chapter, specialness versus sin. So really trying to get us to look at how we look at each other how we see the bodies, how we create specialness in the context of these bodies and how we make the bodies so important and the actions of those bodies so important. And what we have to remember is that the power of God, the oneness of God lies in each and every one of us. That just through a shift in perception, a choice to let it all go, to forgive everything and live in this moment, that's when it all changes. That's when it all shifts for all of us. Okay. Well, we will continue with chapter 24, the goal of specialness in two weeks time. And we will cover the Christ in you, salvation from fear and the meeting place. My online book club is on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to look that up and see if you can uh, join in, if that works for your time frame, um, wherever you live in this world, um, that would be awesome. I do have a, a special, uh, special, oh, look, I like special, not special, but special in the sense that we're all special, uh, a woman, Lisa, from Australia, who has joined us. She's actually Canadian, who lives in Australia, and she's joined us on Wednesday nights. And that just reminds me that anybody can join from anywhere. She's a day ahead of us. And she and she cleverly said that the future looks bright. 
So if anyone is interested in joining, please contact me by email at trifectanow3 at gmail.com and I'll send you the link. Thanks for listening. I would like to say more hellos. I wanted, I brought back the hello and and uh, saying hello to the people that are listening and making that connection with you from all over the world because there's many countries listening now and it's awesome. And I'm going to start with my American friends because there's so many of them. So to all of my friends in Meridian, Idaho, I want to say hello, in San Rafael, California, in Corta Madeira, California, in Vancouver, Washington. I always thought Vancouver was connected to Canada, but there's a Vancouver, Washington. In Wanakee, Wisconsin, in Bolingbrook, Illinois, and in Hood River, Oregon. A big thank you to all my American friends. To my Canadian friends from Victoria, British Columbia, um, and then my local my local crew in Collingwood and Midland, Ontario, and Barrie and in Toronto. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. And now I'd like to reach out to my international friends. So we have some some friends from Italy, um, and they are from Molfetta, Bari in Italy, and... Oh, I really, you got to remember that I look up these, these, the pronunciation of these words. So I'm going to try really hard. And Lastra Assignia in the province of Florence. In Poland, we have some people from Katowice, uh, Silesia, and they, and they are, that is in Poland. And then in Australia, in Tanzania, Tanzania, there is a place called Lonsestian. Uh, I, I think I think I annihilate these words sometimes, but I'm trying. So forgive me and thank you all for listening. This is wonderful. Oh, and another shout out to a group of people who've been listening for quite some time in uh, Frankfurt and mine in Germany. Thank you all for listening. I love each and every one of you from the core of my spiritual self. And I look forward to more listeners coming on board and um, hearing this beautiful book and hearing the word of this book. Again, I can be contacted at trifectanow3 at gmail.com. If you'd like to ask a question, share a comment, say hello, ask for the link to the online book club, please do so. Keep sharing the love. And remember, this is our journey. Let us together find our way in our oneness. Live in this moment today, today, today is the only one that truly matters. Always from the deepest part of my heart, love, Denise.